0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends and feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, a new Ipsos poll says Justin Trudeau is less popular in his country than Donald Trump is in his. The Federal Judicial Affairs Commissioner says he can't probe into the Supreme Court appointment leaks and the Jody Wilson-Raybould SNC scandal. As it all gets more cloudy. And Donald Trump has weighed in on the investigation of actor Jesse Smollett. And he's not happy. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. According to a new Ipsos poll, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has slid uh, so far in the ratings. He's, he's actually below uh, the approval rating that Donald Trump has in the United States. Uh, as it sits right now, the Conservatives, uh, according to Ipsos, the uh, Conservatives sitting at 40%, the Liberals at 30 NDP at 21 uh Block at 5 others at 4 Uh Certainly not where we were, um, I guess, about a year ago. Uh, to talk more about all of this, Daryl Bricker, Chief Executive Officer, Global Public Affairs for Ipsos, and on the line with us now. Daryl, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My
1: pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me on.
0: Are you Are you surprised at how quickly this has all happened?
1: Yeah, it seemed like a kind of a nothing scandal that due to the results of uh, uh, the efforts of the government and trying to uh, you know, put it behind them, uh, they just seem to be making it worse just about every day. So it's really attracted a lot of attention from Canadians. I mean, the previous uh, survey that we did for Global showed that uh, 66% of Canadians were actually watching this. Only sixty-eight percent of his vote.
0: Many so, thought that, that's bizarre, right there. Uh, yeah. many surprise many were are surprised that and thought that this was too deep into the weeds for uh, for Canadians, the average Canadian, to to take interest in. Why do you think it has resonated?
1: I think because it's become very personal. Um, it really has turned into a he said she said type of uh, of, of a story in which somebody who's made his reputation uh, in, in a very specific and direct way is acting completely contrary to to that reputation so people get the drama of it it's a very personal uh sorry it's a very very personal discussion and uh they, they can plug into it it's not about the legal issues it's about the personal issues
0: all right let's talk about the numbers that uh ipsos has uh has found uh, give us a little rundown
1: uh so you had a correct Forty thirty. Uh, we have the NDP up a little bit. I can't remember. I think it's about 21. But the real issue is where this is all distributed. You know, 10 point lead seems like a big lead, but it's especially big when you see that the biggest parts of the leads, the lead, are in places like British Columbia and Ontario, uh, British Columbia where the Liberals who were hoping to make up what they were going to lose in Alberta and the rest of the prairies. But uh, uh, so they have problems there. But also in Ontario, where uh, the the biggest chunk of seats available to any political candidate are available, and they're now 12 points behind the Conservative Party. That means they're probably even more behind them in the 905, and if you remember the last provincial election in Ontario, that's where Doug Ford won his majority. So really in fairly desperate shape, and no place that is obvious where they could make up the seats where they might lose.
0: What does this say to have these sorts of numbers where we are, you know, roughly six months out of an election?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, it says, thank God for the Liberals, that it's six months before an election because there is some opportunity here to recover. Uh, So they have got some time to work with. But uh, they really are starting behind the eight ball. I mean, six months ago, if we would have been talking about uh, the 2019 federal election, we all would have been saying, you know, our expectation is that uh, the Liberals will follow the uh, same pattern as uh, previous majority governments have followed, with a couple of exceptions, where they get a second chance. Uh, We didn't really see the opposition parties as really having significant leaders. In fact, nobody knew who they were. And the Liberals look like they're in pretty good shape. That's all reversed itself.
0: Hmm.
1: And this scandal has made it especially bad.
0: What about uh, the, conservatives lead, uh, the Conservative leader, Andrew Scheer? Uh, many still say they don't know who he is or don't know much about him. What does he have to do in the next six months?
1: Well, his big, uh, his big issue is that when people don't know who you are and you've been incapable of defining yourself, somebody else might define you. Mm. And if you remember back to the 2004 and 2006 elections, I know that was quite a while ago, but this was Stephen Harper up against Paul Martin. The Liberals did a pretty good job of defining Stephen Harper in a very negative way. So my expectation is that you're going to see the Liberals doing the same uh, to Andrew Scheer. So his issue will be, can he define himself before he gets defined by his opponent?
0: Do you think that this was a series of events and then the SNC-Lavalin uh, scandal, Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, scandal, was just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back? Um, uh, or, or do you think it's, th- it's this situation particularly? I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, he's probably annoyed uh, key segments of his base, that being the female voter, millennials, uh, the indigenous community. Do you think it th- this was coming or it's this specific event?
1: Well, bigger than the specific groups of the population, by the way, two of those groups right now, the the millennials and the the women now uh, support the conservatives, not the liberals. But uh, Mm. the problem that the government had is going into the fourth quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year, people were starting to feel a heightened level of economic anxiety. The government usually takes the blame for that when we're, in, a, when we're in, the, in an election year. So they were already going to be in a situation, you know, where they were going to struggle a bit, but they still seemed seem to be, you know, able to, uh, to get over top of where the Tories were. But it was going to be a, a fairly close election. So the, the analogy I would use, rather than camels, I would say he was standing on some fairly thin ice and then somebody handed him an anvil. And that's the <laughs> SNC, uh, SNC uh, Lavalin scandal.
0: Uh, it's, as you mentioned before, this seems to be a personal issue. Uh, the prime minister, perhaps, uh, showing he's not the person that we thought he was during the campaign. Is that harder to overcome than, say, a policy issue? Is yeah. this is this about the actual Jody Wheel, Jody Wilson-Raybould and SNC Lavalin affair, or is this uh, the fact that how, just how he's handling it, and, and he's not portraying the person we thought he was?
1: Well, I think that's exactly it. uh, We've caught people in a situation, and he's caught people in a situation where they're seeing a side of him that they didn't believe existed. And now they're seeing all sorts of uh, representations of that through this scandal. And the thing about scandals that aren't policy-based is it's not about wonks talking about, policy wonks talking about, what's a good or uh, Mm. better or worse policy. It's really about people, and everybody gets people. And so the question is, who do you believe? And at the moment... Uh, Canadians tell us two to one, they believe Josie, uh, Jody wilson Rainbow two to one over the Prime Minister.
0: What can he do to move this forward? Is any of that indicated in polling information?
1: Well, uh, I, I think, you know, experience in uh, dealing with political campaigns suggests a couple of avenues, uh, but really only one that's probably going to be valid for him, and that is that he has to find a way uh, to turn the channel on this. He has to get something else out there that is, a, you know, more interesting for Canadians to look at. And maybe that means starting up the election campaign a bit earlier, not necessarily calling the election, but really coming out hard and start swinging at Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives and trying to define them in a negative way. We saw the Liberals do this back in 2004 and 2006 because they wanted to make the prospect of a Conservative government scary enough that people would say, even though if I don't like the Liberals, you know, I kind of agree with the direction they're taking the country, but I certainly don't want the Conservatives to be in power. So my expectation is that's what's going to happen. He's going to come out swinging hard. He's going to put up a really good fight, and he's going to try and um, uh, bloody up the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Conservatives to his advantage. Uh,
0: it seems that, um, you know, the Prime Minister has characterized himself as a feminist. We've seen him cry several times in issues and such. Why does he just not apologize, fall on the sword? That seems to work for him in the past.
1: It is the million-dollar question, and I think that there's only one person who can answer it, and it's not me.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, uh, whatever the secret is, it must be a good one.
1: Well, if it isn't, they're certainly taking a beating. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As a result of of keeping it secret. So, I I don't know what it is. Uh, You know, obviously... Probably a lot of people could come on your show and speculate as to what it,
2: mm-hmm. what it is,
1: but I have no information. And there's probably only two people or three people, if you throw in uh, Jane Philpott, who actually know what this is. And uh, at some point, it's going to come out. Uh, it won't be suppressed forever. So uh, it must be bad enough that they feel that they need to do this.
0: Daryl Bricker has been with us, Chief Executive Officer, Global Public Affairs, Ipsos. A new poll out has uh, the Conservatives at 40%, the Liberals at 30 and the NDP at 21 Daryl, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks for having me on, Scott.
0: You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. I'm as tired of uh, of talking about the uh, SNC lavalin and Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, affair as you are, but it just seems that information keeps coming out every single day. There's another addition to this story, uh, and the Liberals show no no sign of putting this to bed and getting rid of it uh, in any way, uh, as they continually shut down avenues for uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould to speak her mind, uh, the Ethics Committee, the latest the other day, and of course we remember what happened uh, with the Justice Committee. Uh, In the wake of all of this, uh, there's been a lot of uh, backroom politics going on as uh, as, uh, each side tries to... Uh, I, I guess bolster um, bolster their argument. Um, we've seen a, a few prominent liberal uh, women speak up and, and say that uh, both Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould should just speak in the House of Commons. They should ignore the advice of their lawyers, their their legal team, and, and just just do it. Just get it out. Almost as if they're they're daring them uh, to do so. Uh, now we're finding out information that leaked. Uh, in regard to uh, the appointment of someone to the Supreme Court, this all obviously all supposed to be kept uh, I- extremely secret. Uh, now there's information leaking out in which. Uh, is suggesting that this uh, the, the relationship between Jody Wilson-Raybould and the Prime Minister has been uh, has been tense for a while, and that this was one of the issues that uh, is responsible for it. Uh, in that regard, uh, opposition has called for an investigation into how this information leaks. Uh, the judge in question from out west uh, has publicly come out and said, hey, man, I don't want to get tangled up in this mess. Uh, I pulled my name out because my wife was, was suffering from cancer. Uh, and now uh, the Federal Judicial Affairs Commission says they can't probe in to see how any of these leaks happen. Let's bring in Duff Conacher, co-founder of Democracy Watch, adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa, and is with us now. Duff, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Talk about the significance of this leak. Where you thought think it it, it came from, and, and what are the objectives here?
2: Um, it's hard to tell where the leak came from. Um, people in the attorney general's office uh, and uh, former uh, attorney general minister's office would have known about it, um, as well. Uh, people in the prime minister's office, because the attorney general. The, uh, the Minister of Justice does not appoint Supreme Court justices. It's the prime minister that does that appointment. Um, so it's hard to tell where it's coming from. It, people are speculating mainly that it's coming from the prime minister's office. It's trying to discredit Jody Wilson-Raybould because of the, uh, the characteristics and, and leanings and positions of the judge that uh, they're claiming she was pushing for to be chief justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, It's all just bad, though. It's more he said, she said, coming out of uh, leaks and claims, and uh, there needs to be an independent investigation of all of this.
0: Why would the Liberals leak something knowing that uh, once the leak gets out, then people are going to question where the leak came from, and if fingers point towards them, that's going to put them in worse shape than when they started.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I'm guessing only that they thought that um, the positions that uh, this judge, Joyelle, had put forward, that they're saying uh, the former Attorney General, Jody Wilson-Raybould, was pushing for, that those positions people would be upset about that and and, uh, that people would focus more on that than on the fact that someone was leaking information about, Supreme Court nomination process and and applicants' names and things like that, which is all supposed to be kept secret because people who apply for those positions um, have judge, jobs as judges and, and or lawyers already, and obviously you uh, don't apply for a job uh, in public. You you want to uh, ensure that it doesn't affect your current job that you have and. Anything like that, so I'm I'm not sure why anyone on either side actually would leak yeah. it, um, unless those on this it is people from the attorney general attorney general's office, and they're leaking it posing as someone from the PMO to sort of c- get the spin going that the PMO is doing this. And then it works in Jody Wilson-Raybould's favor because the leak looks makes the PMO look very bad. Because hmm. all the speculation has been that it, it must be people out of the Prime Minister's office and they must be doing it to try to slander her. Um, you know, the, the Globe talked to a senior government source, so they must know who they are. And I don't think they would run it if it was Jody Wilson-Raybould putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of... It as if it was from the PMO, that'd be dishonest for the Globe to do that.
0: Does the issue of the judge, uh, you know, the, this whole issue that they're trying to bring up, and, and does it change the channel? What, what, what's, you know, obviously there's huge significance in a leak, but uh, the fact that they were had a disagreement over this judge is that relevant to any of this? Um, And and, and
2: only if you look at the situation and say, "Oh wow, Jody Wilson-Raybould really was doing things that were unacceptable," and no wonder the prime minister wanted to shuffle her out of that position. And you know, essentially, the leak looks like—again, it's very hard to tell—but it looks like an attempt to say the prime minister had a, a justifiable reason for moving her from uh, from the uh, attorney general position. And therefore, no, you know, people should stop believing that she was moved because she wouldn't uh, step in and stop the prosecution of SNC-Lavalin
0: like the PMO wanted. Wouldn't that information be better coming from his lips?
2: Well, Gerald Butts claimed the erosion of trust. Uh, and Trudeau said it was all a misunderstanding. I mean they put out eight different spins there including admitting to wrongdoing because they've said there was no inappropriate pressure as if there is such a thing as appropriate pressure to on the attorney general to stop a prosecution and the rule is no pressure is allowed so there is no such thing as appropriate pressure right. so they've admitted to wrongdoing so I don't know <laughs> it's uh, the the leak and of course the response to it saying it's outrageous um, is, and it seems like another spin. You know, Jodie Wilson Raybould hasn't had eight different spins on what happened. She's just been consistent. I was pressured, and mm. that pressure is, is not allowed. Um, and so it, it looks like just another bad attempt by the PMO to try and spin this and, and put the blame on Jody Wilson Raybould it's backfired as all the others
0: have. Could it be the reason he fired her is so politically incorrect, it will cost him the election, so there's absolutely no way he can go down that route? Um, Because that's what we're left to assume, I guess.
2: Well, we'll have to see. Jody Wilson-Raybould is disclosing um, all sorts of written documents about the pressure part of it. Uh, up to the point that she was shuffled. And those may include some written documents about why she was shuffled. Mm -hmm. And so if those written documents, I mean, she said, I asked the prime minister, is this because I'm not stopping the prosecution of SNC-Lavalin? He denied it. Um, But maybe there were some written exchanges as well. Not necessarily with the Prime Minister, but with others in the PMO about that. And the waiver that Trudeau has granted includes, up to the point that she was moved to uh, the Veteran Affairs Minister position. So she could disclose those written communications. And so that's going to the Justice Committee. We're not sure exactly when.
0: and then: the Justice I was under the impression that, they, that the Justice Committee has received these now.
2: I haven't seen that report, but that may be. and then they they translate everything before mm-hmm. they make it public. Yes, uh, for the francophone MPs on the committee. Um, so they receive it in their language. and uh, so it should be coming out soon, and we'll see if there's any written documents. Otherwise, we just have he said she said, yeah, mostly. Uh, except for a couple of written documents that indicate that there was pressure clearly put on her. And that pressure is uh, illegal. It's a violation of the constitutional principle of the independence of the attorney general. And the uh, ethics commissioner should be ruling that because it's also illegal under the Conflict of Interest Act. You're not allowed to improperly further another person's interest by trying to influence someone's decision. And It was improper and it was trying to further SNC-Lavalin's interest in not being prosecuted and it was trying to influence the Attorney General's uh, decision on the prosecution, which is improper by definition. So people should be found guilty at the end of this of violating the federal ethics law, if not also uh, someone possibly being charged for obstruction of justice. And it's unclear whether that line was crossed, but the RCMP should be investigating that and, and should... Make a, give a public explanation if they do not prosecute anyone as to why they don't. They haven't.
0: What about the leak of information in regard to this judge, uh, judge's application to uh, the Supreme Court? Uh, how serious is leaking that information? Uh, should there be some sort of investigation there?
2: Uh, yes, there should be, and um, the uh, question would be by whom. Uh, I would say that the Privacy Commissioner probably has a say uh, under the uh, Privacy Act, which um, applies to information that the government gathers from individuals. And uh, the government gathered the information of the application information from people, and and the fact that they would applied is private information under that process rules. So I think the Privacy Commissioner is the one to actually... uh, investigate that, and then the leak of that private information um, as well. So uh, that's, I think, the, the best place. I know, um, I believe, Lisa Raitt, conservative MP, went to the Federal Judicial Affairs Office. They don't actually handle Supreme Court appointments. They handle appointments to the federal courts and to the provincial uh, uh, superior courts and appeal courts. So they wouldn't be able to investigate it.
0: Will the uh, will this story regarding uh, the Supreme Court candidate will that distract from what is happening with the Jody Wilson-Raybould SNC-Lavalin affair? Uh, is that what the uh, what the plan is, or, or does that just just complicate it even more and make them look worse?
2: Um, yeah, I think it it's just adding to the Prime Minister's office uh, looking bad in the situation because most are assuming, most commentators uh, are assuming without knowing, so people shouldn't assume, but, you know, most of the, if anyone looked at the media and the headlines, they would see things things like liberals have no regard for the rule of law, and this leak is more proof of that, even though we don't know exactly that it came from uh, an official in the PMO. It's a government source, so the Globe is saying it's someone within the government but that it is possible that someone in the, ministers, uh, the uh, justice ministry who is sympathetic to Jody Wilson-Raybould or not, whether it's coming from the PMO or someone in the justice minister's office or someone in the Department of Justice, it is coming from the government side. And um, it's illegal for someone in government to be disclosing that information.
0: Uh, New Ipsos poll out has the conservatives at 40%, the liberals at 30, and the NDP at 21. Are you surprised how quickly this has taken effect, especially since it seems to be more a personal issue than it does to be one of policy?
2: Except it involves trust.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's a fundamental issue. I mean, voters are in a bad position in any election with regard to trust because it's legal for politicians to lie to them and with false promises and bait them with false promises. But generally, especially swing voters, who are the ones that decide elections, trust and, and whether someone's trustworthy, whether they're going to do unethical, dishonest, secretive politics as usual or actually govern in an open, accountable, and honest way, those are big issues for swing voters. And um, and as I said, swing voters decide elections. So, you know, with Trudeau, you already have he promised to change the voting system. Right. Blatantly broke that promise. Um, has broken the promise to in terms of open government. There's been several reports about that. The level of secrecy is still as high. They haven't changed the law to require more transparency. Um, and uh, and then you add this and other. Uh, scandals and ethics scandals. And when you shatter that trust, you don't get it back. And, and people say, okay, if you're going to do this, something like this, what wouldn't you do that's not in the public interest but is, is instead trying to further the Liberal Party's interests. And swing voters in particular do not want politicians in there who are doing things to help their party. They want p- politicians in there doing things in an open, accountable, honest, uh, way an ethical way to protect the public interest and and uphold it so I'm not surprised because it has all these elements that push the hot buttons of swing voters and it's not surprising to see the swing in the polls as a result every party has its core vote core voters that won't ever leave them and they'll stick with them through anything and always think the other parties are worse but they don't decide elections swing voters do and, and that's why it's so damaging to the Liberals.
0: So do you think this is uh, people realizing that, that, that he's not the same as he sold, that uh, he's not the person that they voted for? I mean, we saw been. another example of this uh, in a situation last night where at a fundraising campaign where he, he made a, fl- uh, a flip comment and then backtracked on it. Um, is this what the issue is? He, he's not what we thought he was? Yes, well,
2: and just to say something like that probably wouldn't have been covered in the past. Yeah. Right? So it, you get piling on, and you get uh, the small wave becomes a tidal wave because uh, the media, things that you do after that, that point to the same kind of attitude, suddenly get more coverage than they would in the past. Mm. Uh, and, of course, social media is amplifying it, um, the opposition parties and things like that. So, um yeah, they promised open, accountable, honest government and to be concerned about middle class voters. And we're going to change the way that politics were done by the conservatives for 10 years. And when you offer that, they set an even a higher standard than Stephen Harper did coming in. Right, He promised the same thing uh, when he won in 2006 the Federal Accountability Act with 60 measures to clean up politics in every way, make it more open, honest and ethical and uh, broke those promises and then had several scandals and so you're seeing the same kind of of shattering of trust trudeau set the bar even higher for himself and false hope is a bitter pill to swallow right so when someone offers you that hope and then it turns out to be false that's pretty shattering to any voters uh, trust level and it there's no way to win it back you know when Trudeau makes promises in the next election, the opposition parties will be able to say, "Uh, so are these the same kind of promises you made last time? Why should anyone believe you? And that's a really difficult hurdle for any politician to get
0: over. It doesn't seem that the party is getting by the the Jody uh, uh, Wilson-Raybould-SNC-Lavalin affair. They Uh,
2: won't, because they're covering up. Yeah. Will they change strategy? Will they they change talk about that last month Mm -hmm. while she was still a cabinet minister, while they were both still cabinet ministers, it smells like a cover-up. Why wouldn't you let her speak?
0: Uh, Six months until the next election. Uh, Does he have time to turn this around?
2: Yes. Um, And the way to turn it around is if the liberals choose the right big five issues to promise and make the right big five moves to show that they care. To voters, uh, and some of those moves should be cleaning up things that have been revealed to be rotten. Um, then they can recover. But you know, he'll have to make titanium-clad promises in the next election.
0: Will we have to hear from Jody wilson Rabel before that happens? Yes, because it will just yeah. keep
2: hanging over them. That's why I don't understand why they're doing this. It's yeah. not. It can't be worse if she discloses
0: more. What could be worse? They already look. <laughs>
2: That's what everybody's
0: wondering, is what the secret is. What could she possibly have on him? Yeah,
2: especially when she's been removed from the situation once she's shifted to veteran affairs. What would she know after that about any machinations concerning the SNC-Lavalin prosecution? And and so what could be worse? uh, It will be much worse to let it just drip out. And it will drip out because I'm sure Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould will find a way to have it come out they are being smart by not just speaking out because the liberals are looking for a reason to call, say, oh, you, you're yeah. wrongdoers, you, you broke your oath of cabinet confidentiality, yeah. why would anyone believe you? So they're being smart to, to just challenge him to let them speak. And But eventually, if he doesn't, I'm sure they'll find a way to get the information out there anyway, and, and it'll be closer to the election. Dump it's time for voters to forget.
0: Duff Conacher has been with us, co-founder of Democracy Watch, adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa. Duff, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated.
2: Thank you, and uh, we'll have some developments next week, so we'll make sure we uh, update you on those.
0: You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You know, I, I really haven't talked a lot about this case, um, um, mainly because it just makes me feel dirty (laughs) and uh you know i i just uh, it it just seemed like one of those uh issues that you know no matter what side you cover you you're not going to come out clean in this uh, but then it has seemed to have taken just a wildly bizarre twist. And now even the U.S. President Donald Trump is weighing on this. We're talking about uh, the case of Jesse Smollett, uh, the Empire star, uh, who allegedly was attacked, uh, racially motivated uh, attack and and such. And, and then the investigation uh, spins around. And in Chicago, uh, police start investigating and then accuse uh, the actor of trying to stage the whole thing. And actually, the, uh, the two guys that uh, attacked him uh, were actually paid to do it, uh, allegedly. Let's bring in Vinnie Politan, lead anchor on the new Court TV, uh, former prosecutor and lawyer and uh, Emmy Award winner on the old Court TV. He's with us now. Vinnie, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
3: Yeah, great to be here.
0: What can you tell us about the new Court TV? Well,
3: it's unbelievable. There's never been a rebirth of a national network before, but it's going to happen. Court TV, gavel-to-gavel coverage of the biggest trials taking place coast-to-coast here in the United States, and uh, we did it for years. And then for reasons that we don't have enough time to talk about, Court TV went away, and now we are back, and we're going to bring back that live coverage of the nation's biggest trials. But one of those trials will not be Jesse Smollett because the charges have been dismissed.
0: What are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, Give us your take of of everything that happened and what you think.
3: Yeah, well, I'm a former prosecutor, and, you know, I understand the process. There are times when some people who are first-time offenders that are charged with a nonviolent crime may get a special deal, and what we call it is a diversionary program, where you, um, over the course of time, do certain things, and if you successfully complete those things, you go back to court, and at that point, you can have the charges dismissed. So what I would expect in a case like this, if, there, if he was going to get into a diversionary program with the opportunity to have everything dropped and erased from his record, is that he'd come into court and the judge would say, you know, all right, fulfill certain conditions, maybe some community service. Not community service that you've already done, but something in the future. Maybe pay some fines, get some counseling. Talk to kids, do something, stay out of trouble for six months, then come back into court. If you successfully complete all that stuff, then we will dismiss the charges. But he got the deal of deals. I mean, he was indicted by a grand jury, 16 counts, and they're all gone, sealed and expunged like it never happened.
0: Uh if you do get a, diver- a, a, a diversionary deal, shouldn't that be acknowledged up front, as you just suggested, as opposed to, nope, everything's dropped and you're free to go, and then sort of dribs and drabs of this come out later?
3: Absolutely. And what a lot of prosecutors do these days, and this is what we saw attempted in the Robert Kraft case, the guy who owns the New England Patriots down in Florida. He was offered a, a diversionary program where he would go into court, not admit guilt, put on the record that there was enough evidence to convict him, fulfill certain requirements and the charges were going to be dropped in that case. Well, here he's getting credit for some, some community service that he already did and he's just forfeiting a bond of ten thousand dollars and it all goes away. There's no there's no need to stay out of trouble for three months or six months or a year. That, that is unheard of.
0: Why would and even any of that be a factor if, in fact, the charges are dropped? I mean, none of that even comes into play, does it? I mean, unless it is a diversionary deal.
3: Right, unless it is a diversionary and And this is not a diversionary deal. This is just, we are just dismissing this for whatever reason we want. And the real thing that's the problem here is that now he and his people, his attorneys, are going on and speaking out saying, this never happened. I am innocent, the Chicago police are disparaging me, and I am the victim. And if you're a, 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 a prosecutor who's doing your job, maybe you make that one of the conditions of getting everything dropped, that you cannot speak publicly bad about the people who gathered the evidence against you, and you can't go out and proclaim your so-called innocence.
0: So what happened here? How did this happen? Who who okayed this? Who checked this off?
3: Well, the guy's name is Maggots. He is the first assistant in the, in the state's attorney's office in, in Illinois that was prosecuting this in Chicago. Now, the, the head prosecutor in that office recused herself. And so the first assistant took over the case and he said in his discretion, because of all the other crime we have in Chicago, the nonviolent nature of this, we did with this case like we do with thousands of others. But I don't think they've done this with thousands of others. Here's, here's the, the, the take though on, on recusal. The head prosecutor recused herself and she says because she had some contact with family members of the accused, who's Jesse Smollett, right? So most district attorney offices or state attorney's offices would recuse the entire office, not just the head person. So what would happen is the case would be transferred maybe to the state attorney general or to a sister prosecuting uh, attorney in another county. Within the state, but that didn't happen. So everyone's questioning whether or not she actually recused herself and had no influence whatsoever in the outcome here. Uh,
0: many are, uh, including uh, the mayor of Chicago, uh, the prosecutors all stood up and, and said they can't believe what's happening. They're not exonerating him, They're just the charges have been dropped. Um, uh, And and even alluding that there's justice for the rich and justice for everyone else. Uh, What happens now in regard to finding out what really did happen?
3: Well, the the police released, um, upon a request made by uh, a member of the media, I think it was one of the local papers, released the the investigation papers that they have. Um, There were some other documents that were out there. But at the end of the day, this is now dismissed and expunged. And when you get a a criminal charge against you expunged, it means you can act as if it never, ever happened. Whether you're applying for a job, answering a question in an interview, you do not have to acknowledge that these charges and this arrest ever, ever happened. So we may never find out unless the brothers... Uh, come out and tell their story and people believe the brothers.
0: All right let's go let's go to that angle. Talk about the brothers. Uh, these are the people that, uh, that allegedly attacked him and their relationship to him.
3: Right. Well one of them is was Jesse Smollett's trainer, someone who was uh, you know getting him in shape for, for uh, his concerts and for his uh, position on Empire. And the other one is his brother. These are are, are two um, Nigerian immigrants, and their story to police, as police have put in the records um, that I've gotten my hands on, they basically said they were paid thirty five hundred dollars. They rehearsed this attack ahead of time, and they coordinated it all with uh, Jesse Smollett to have the attack happen that night. Because the brothers, the next day, had a pre planned trip to Nigeria and would be out of the country, so. Um, Their story is they were paid to do it. It was sort of an acting thing, and and it was all set up and actually rehearsed ahead of time. Uh,
0: And they are known to be the actual alleged attackers, correct? Uh, The evidence seems to point that way, if you believe
3: the brothers themselves, because they admitted it, number one. Number two, there were items seized in a search warrant of their home that were consistent with items uh, from the actual attack. They uh, gave statements that... um, were con- consistent with the videos that were gathered by investigators about where they were and when they were there. So their story seems to line up with the um seems to be corroborated by the independent evidence in the case according to the, re- the police reports that I've read.
0: Uh and and obviously the Chicago police stand by this story that these two guys were involved in this and that this was all a setup.
3: Absolutely, and and they're livid because of all the resources that were poured into this. The fact that the whole hoax was set up in a way to embarrass the city of Chicago because they believed that Smollett believed the case would never be solved, that they wouldn't be able to catch uh, these two white men who uh, Smollett said attacked him, um, wearing their. Uh,
0: Let's stop with that. Let's stop with that one, Vinny. How do how do you say this is a racially a, a, a racial attack when it turns out the guys aren't white?
3: Right. Well, Jesse Smollett said he saw the, the skin around the eyes of one of the masked attackers, and it, and he was white. He said they also were referencing that this is um, a MAGA country, make America great again, Donald Trump's slogan. So based upon the words of uh, Jesse Smollett and what he said, that's how the racial aspect of all this entered into it. So,
0: now, now does a- he... Does he agree that these are the two people that allegedly attacked him? Are they on the same page there?
3: Uh, His attorney gave an extensive interview on several media outlets and not conceding that point, but not saying it wasn't them. Now, the one thing that did happen here, there was some surveillance video when they were trying to track down the attackers. It was grainy video of, of these two brothers, but you couldn't really tell who they were, what race they were from this grainy video. But Smollett positively identified those two as the one who attacked him. That video is of the brothers, as has been corroborated by their own statements to police.
0: So what happens now, considering uh, both our sides are still talking about it?
3: Well, um, here's the, I think the police are not going to let this end. I think there, there could potentially, by the city of Chicago and Chicago PD, be a civil suit trying to uh, regain all the Um, expenses and and man hours that they extended investigating this case. So they could potentially sue Jesse Smollett. There were talks by Smollett's attorney that she may go after the city of Chicago uh, for defamation and, and and for what they've been saying about him because they're still clinging to this is not a hoax. This was an actual attack. So there's still a slight chance that there could be a civil case that could be covered by the new court TV, but no criminal case.
0: Uh, Donald Trump tweeting on this, saying the FBI and the DOJ to review the outrageous uh, Jesse Smollett case in Chicago. It's an embarrassment to our nation. What can Donald Trump do?
3: Uh, Donald Trump can't do much, but the, the, uh, the Department of Justice, which is led ultimately, I guess, in some sense, by the president. But what they can do is investigate another aspect of this, which was a threatening letter that was sent to Jesse Smollett before the attack. Uh, there were allegations by Chicago police that Smollett sent the letter to himself. So if that is, in fact, the case, then that could be a violation of federal law. The other thing the feds can do is look at the um, state's attorney herself, Kim Fox, who dismissed these charges to investigate the nature and circumstances surrounding that dismissal, although I would think it would be up to the state's attorney general, the attorney general of Illinois, to investigate that. Uh, that would be more appropriate than for the feds to come in on that, but uh, I think we'll, we'll see an investigation into the letter and see where it takes us from there. But it's it's really a messy, bizarre situation. Never seen anything like this in all my years of court TV. Uh,
0: can can the FBI do what the Chicago police couldn't make stick? No, no, no. You, you,
3: um, they don't have the only jurisdiction they would have would be on the the threatening letter because that would be through the mail system through the postal service and then the federal. Um, criminal law has jurisdiction over uh, an allegation like that, but just an assault or a hoax uh, happening in in the streets of Chicago, the jurisdiction is squarely with um, the folks in Illinois, not with the federal authorities.
0: Will person who made this call be investigated? Will this go farther? Um, I'm not
3: sure how far it's going to go. Now, Kim Fox is, is an elected official as the state's attorney. She's the one who who's in charge of the office. Magus is the first assistant. Uh, He's not elected, but he's appointed to that position. So if there's an investigation into something untoward about the dismissal of the charges, then you could see something else from this happen. But prosecutors in our system of justice do have a lot of discretion.
0: Will this continue in the media, or will this go underground, this discussion?
3: Uh, I think it will continue
0: uh,
3: until there is... If there's a final resolution on the letter, and then there's no civil suit filed, eventually it will kind of fade, except when Jesse Smollett um, is in the news. And every time he's in the news, folks will be reminded about this. And apparently this weekend, I think he's up for an NAACP award. So people will be talking about it.
0: Where does this leave the brothers that were involved in this?
3: That's that's the big question, right? Because if, in fact, um, this was not a hoax, then the brothers committed an assault. But no one believes from law enforcement that it was actually an assault. They believe it was a hoax. So I don't think they get charged with anything. Um, could they perhaps sue uh, Jesse Smollett for defamation because he's now saying that this wasn't a hoax and that he was actually attacked and everyone's pointing the finger at them as being the ones who attacked them? Uh, maybe. Uh, but it, it's, it's so messy. I think they're just going to try to uh, fade out of the spotlight and continue in their career of of, you know, getting people in shape and and telling them what they should and should not
0: eat to be healthy and stay away from uh, Justice Smollett. Hmm. What can... uh, uh, um, Can anybody dig deeper in this and and get any more information and find out exactly what happened, or is everything sealed?
3: It's sealed. And and the court file um, is sealed and will be expunged.
0: So, so then it's gone. Yeah.
3: It's, it's gone. Yeah. It is gone. You can't reference it. And if you are the one who had the charges and, and the charges have been dismissed and the records expunged, you walk around like it never, ever happened.
0: What made Chicago police look deeper into this, dig deeper into this? Why did they? Wh- what sort of red flag made, uh, made them realize, you know, I don't think this story is accurate? Do we know? Well,
3: the, the, the general circumstances were, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're in the midst of this incredible cold spell in Chicago in the middle of winter, and someone recognizes Jesse Smollett at a Subway san- sandwich shop at 2 in the morning and has with them a noose and bleach ready for a racial attack. I mean, what are the odds that someone would know that Jesse Smollett was going to go? To Subway sandwich shop at two in the morning and what make America great again advocate would be in that part of Chicago that time of night looking for a star of the show Empire which they may or may not be familiar with recognize them and have everything on hand for this incredible racial attack I think that's what made him sus- suspicious was the um, very strange set of alleged facts here
0: so He's cleared now. Jesse Smollett is cleared of all of this. It's gone. What does what does this do for his career moving forward? What does this do for him?
3: I'm here and he's gone from empire. So um, I think the one thing, though, about our society these days is our memories fade a little bit and we are a forgiving society. Um, but this is going to be different because he's never going to acknowledge um, that he did anything wrong. So I think that makes it a little bit more difficult for him, you know, because if you have if you have a problem, you make a mistake, you apologize, people forgive. But if you never acknowledge the wrongdoing and people believe, still believe that you did something wrong, I think it'll be a tougher road for Jesse Smollett. Although at this point, he still does have um, some base of fans that are believing in him. It's it's not nearly as large as his base of fans was before all this started, but. Uh, It'll be fascinating to watch how that part of this story
0: develops. How are citizens uh, in the states viewing this? Is this dividing America, especially when Donald Trump's weighing in on it?
3: Um, The opposite. It's uniting America. And I'll tell you why. You've got um, Rahm Emanuel, right, who was the chief of staff for Barack Obama, President Obama, who was the Democratic mayor of Chicago, on the same page as Donald Trump today. That never (laughs) happened. That's a good point. This (laughs) This might be the one thing that brings the United States back together.
0: Wow, unbelievable. Do you think this story's over, or are we going to be talking about this next week?
3: Uh, I think it'll be around for at least another week, because I think there's still some loose ends out there, and it's it's such a talker because there's so many unbelievable developments, so maybe there will be one more thing, uh, one more twist or turn in this case that will have us... uh, yakking about
0: it again. Vinny Paulatin has been with us, lead anchor on Court TV, relaunching in May. He's a lawyer and former prosecutor. Vinny, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening. The Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.